Okay. Welcome to the show today. Bernie Sanders here. Uh, Fritz could be here. He's been busy, as it were. He's got a lot to do. And uh, you could say that he called me up and that uh, he asked me to come here and talk with you all about my platform and uh, about the things coming up. Uh, just met, just, just, uh, uh, you might have seen it in the news. I am the first candidate, like, ever to make over $25 million in donations. Like, by myself. It's pretty impressive. And the thing about it is, I hate asking people for the money. I do. I hate how politics here in the U.S. involves asking people for money. It is very, I mean, you know, it's very, uh, it's emotional having to ask people for money. I hate doing it. I, I would raise everybody's taxes in a heartbeat, though, but I hate asking for money running for president. I really, I, I, I really hate doing it. I think there could be some radical changes that we put in place there. But I digress. That's not my fault. I'm just playing the game. I'm playing the game that they're forcing me to play. But who could that be? Oh, no, hold on. Let me just check this for, for a second. Um, crap. I gotta answer this. Uh, uh, hello? Bernie? Hey, it's, it's Fritz. Uh, I just, uh... Oh, okay, oh, that's so great of you to call. Uh, I was just sitting down, actually, uh, you know, working on a little, uh, something-something. Yeah, well, you, you know, know that's, uh, that's what I was calling about. Uh, I got all your voicemails on my phone about how you wanted to, you know, uh, sub in, you know, do Fritz cast for me while I was, you know, away with, you know, the, the birth of my baby and all that. And, I, I mean, it was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of voicemails from you, dude. I had like 25 voicemails from you, like begging to, to, to do the show for me. And I mean, I appreciate you reaching out and wanting to do it. I mean, I really, I don't get me wrong. I do. I do. But, uh, uh, I just got a, a, a notification on my phone from my ring camera. Oh, oh, uh, uh, oh, you have, oh, you have a security camera. That's, uh, why, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you have a security camera? I mean, that makes perfect sense for, for a guy like you. Are, are you in my office right now? No, of course not. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't come to Delaware. I've never been to Delaware before in my life. Oh, that's a lie. You were here at the Chase Center. You were here at the Chase Center in 2015 or 2016. It was during that election cycle. You came to the Chase Center at the riverfront. You were here. You were in Delaware. Don't, don't lie to me. And the other thing is Bernie. Oh, crap. I gotta go. Look at the time. See you later. I've been here the whole time. Cue the music. This is Fritzcast. Tuesday, October 1st, 2019, and welcome to this week's edition of the FritzCast. You know when the last time I sat behind the microphone and did an episode of the FritzCast, it was, hold on, wait for it, wait for it, I did all these note writing and all this stuff, and I wrote stuff down, but I didn't put down the last uh, episode that I uploaded. When was this? Where's the date on this? Aha! It was September 6th. It's been like nearly a month since I sat down 
in front of the microphone to record an episode. And uh, you might have already noticed on the Twitter, on the Facebook, on uh, the social medias, the social medias of the world, uh, the Instagram. Instagram, it's a, it's, a great, uh, it's a great tool. Thank you. Thank you, Bernie. Get out. Get out of my house. Goodbye. It's, uh, <laughs> I got new banners. I got new uh, the, the, the artwork, logos. Every, I got new everything, except for a theme song. I thought about debuting the new theme song today. Uh, that'll come. It's not going to replace the current theme song. The current theme song stays, and it's a, it's a song by the same band, artist, what have you. We're just going to introduce it to mix it up a little bit and be able to interchange things, you know, spice it up a little bit, keep it a little bit different. Uh, I thought I was going to debut that today, but uh, I have to uh, go through some technical difficulties to fix that. So it was just easier to go with the normal theme song, and you haven't heard it in over a month anyway, so, you know, shut up. Get used to it. How are you all doing? Uh, so September 6th was the last episode we did. I have done a couple of blog posts since then on the database, but that was because on September 12th, uh, oddly enough, the very date of, uh, the Democratic debate that I was hyping the last couple of episodes of Friscast, uh, September 12th, 3.33 in the morning after... A, uh, a brutally long 27-hour labor from my wife. Back labor, mind you. Uh, 27 hours. Whew. Gave birth to our beautiful daughter, Emery, uh, who was 9 pounds, 1.5 ounces, 21 inches long. And I, I wrote a pretty extensive blog post on database about it, but I'll dive a little bit into it right now. That was one of the most intense uh, 27 hours of my life. Uh, it, it spanned more than a day, obviously. Uh, I went into work on the night of September 10th, going into the 11th. You know, I work in midnight dates, all right, so... Yeah, that should put some perspective to you. I went into work that night, and by 12.30, 12.40, my wife was sending me messages saying, um, I'm having contractions. Uh, yeah, Braxton Hicks didn't happen. Didn't happen at all for my wife. She went, boom, full force into uh, contractions lasting one minute at t- uh, 10 minutes apart or five minutes apart. I forget which now. <laughs> the lines have been a little blurred as it were, uh, but uh, she do- she dived right into that, kept that consistently uh, from like 12.40 early in the morning on September 11th and then 3.33 a.m. on September 12th, the baby came, and that was quite an experience, quite an experience. You can read all about it at fritzcastdatabase.wordpress.com. I'll even throw the link in the description for you. Why not? But uh, just to add to that or expound to it a little bit, that's it's, it's a life-changing thing. And, and, and it's hard to describe it. It's hard to find words to put to that. The feelings that you go through, the, the feelings in your head, the feelings in your heart, everything. I mean, uh, my wife did a natural birth, so there was no, you know, there was no going to the hospital, there was no epidural, there was no, you know, you know, the the, the most that my wife got was uh, some IV pain medications, and that was, that was like at 11 o'clock at night, on the night of the 11th, uh, and pretty much the midwife said, yeah, I can get you some IV pain, IV pain medications. It's not going to make this comfortable. Um, she essentially said, you will catch some shut-eye uh, in between those contractions when you're done. So at least you'll have a contraction, you'll have to go through it, but then you will be zonked back to sleep until the next one starts, even though it's only like a five-minute stretch. Uh, trust me, it made a difference. It did. But uh, it was intense to go through. Very intense to, and, and as a guy, 
as a guy or as a support person, you feel like crap. You you do. Because you just want to do whatever you can to make uh, your wife or the person in labor feel better. And it seems it, it seems like everything that you would try to do doesn't work anyway. Uh, because A, you're not the one going through labor. <laughs> and number two, it's just like, you know, you don't know if you're being effective or not because you don't want to keep asking, does this feel all right? Does it feel good? Do you feel better now? Because it, they don't feel better. They just don't. They don't feel better until they pop the baby out, for real. That's Real Talk 101 for you, all right? Uh, as soon as uh, as soon as my daughter came, though, later on my wife's chest, um, everything just, you know, to, to me, it kind of, like, blurred into this jumble of, like, oh, oh holy crap, this whole nine months of of waiting and wondering and, and, and being at, at sometimes scared shitless at, as what was to come. Uh, it, it kind of blurred away into this, uh, you know, Oh my God, it's all real. Oh my God. This year. And it, it, it still felt very surreal, but they cleaned, uh, my, they cleaned my daughter up and they handed, the handed her to my wife. And then after a little bit, my wife, you know, desperately needed a rest, so they handed me her, and, you know, it was just me and me and my wife in the room at that point. They're giving you space. They're letting you relax because you just went through, you know, hell for 27 hours. And so I held my daughter, and I looked at her, and it's just something, something inside you just completely changes over. Like, the whole game changes. I came home, been off of work for about a month. I go back to work, not uh, not at the end of this week, but at the end of next week is when I kick back to work, and then I'll I'll have some more parental leave that I can use. I kind of broke it up so that I can work a little bit, work a little bit of overtime, and then take a couple weeks off and then bond with my daughter, which over the past three weeks I have been doing every day. It's an amazing experience. Life has changed forever, for real. Maybe it sounds cliched, but it's 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 true. It's true, you bring this little thing home and you're like, I'm responsible for this little human being now. <laughs> like, changing diapers, that's part of the game now. A uh, kid falling asleep on your chest, it's awesome, and it's part of the game now. Uh, feeding the kid, part of the game now. Learning what makes the kid tick, including when it comes to feedings and stuff like that. It's all a learning process. It's all a learning process, and I'm very, very thankful for the time I've had off. Uh, because I've been able to be here direct support for my wife and learn the whole thing with her, which I, I, I think it's very important. I think it's a very important thing. You know, I'm not going to go on a tirade about society and whether fathers have been involved enough with their kids or not. You know, a lot of that sometimes come, boils down to a personal choice and responsibility, and I want to play a very active role. You know, I grew up without a father, so this is... You know, this is very important to me. It's very, it very hits hits home to me to be a father and do all these things that I didn't get to experience growing up through no fault of my own or my father's own. I mean, he died. You know, it's not his fault. That is, uh, that's a lot of what is going to be on Fritz Cast database is. The growing through this journey. So if you're if you're a potential first time parent, if you're thinking about having kids, if you just want some insight, I, uh, that's why I've been writing on the database, just to give my perspective on that, which might not be worth anything to anybody. But even if one person reads it and goes, you know, I'm glad this dude wrote this because it it helped me. It it gave me good advice. Uh, you know, it got me into his head. It got me to think about things a little differently, or whatever. Great, that's awesome. That's what I. That's what I'm writing it for. I ain't writing it for my health. That's for sure. So, that's been a big change. Big, big change. Bigly change. Hugely, bigly change around here, and it's been a very, very welcome change because I feel incredibly different. In such a short amount of time. I really do. And a lot of things. There, there used to be things that you thought were important. There used to be things that you were you know, wondering. Is there this gap in my life that I need to fill with something? 
and a lot of that, you know, a lot of things that you thought important, you know, that per- that perspective changes in your head. What's important changes in your head. And some of the things that you thought were missing, they're filled up with something now. So, that'll be, it'll be fun to invite you along through the blog and through the podcast, because I can talk about it on the podcast too, you know. Uh, it'll be fun to invite you along, and it's going to be an incredible journey. It's been incredible so far, and it's only been three weeks. But but I digress. Within that large span of time of not podcasting, uh, you know, which I think you all understand why, right? <laughs> uh, there's been a host of things that have gone on that I have not been able to directly talk about Uh as they've happened, which is a good thing, and it kind of sucks all at the same time. Uh, I, I did put out a couple of Twitter threads here and there in between uh, just to get my thoughts out on some things, like uh, like that Democratic debate, for example. And granted, scrolling through my past Twitter, I've also done a couple of threads on the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I'll spare you the football talk. And the growing pains of being an Eagles fan post-first Super Bowl win ever in 2017. I'll never stop hyping that and talking about that. Um, But I had a Twitter thread about uh, the Democratic debate. And uh, I'll kind of read through some of them real quick just just so that we get that under our belts. Because I listened to that debate, uh, the September 12th debate, um, probably, I don't know, it was probably a week after because uh, I found a podcast forum of it. I love any news agency or anybody that's utilizing technology, like putting these presidential debates on podcast form. I got to praise them because this is 2019. Most places you don't find doing it. CNN does it. Uh, this was ABC, so I, I believe they did it. And if they didn't do it official, somebody bootlegged it. Thank God for you, sir, because I wasn't going to watch this crap on YouTube or anything, uh, especially with a kid now. I had to, I, I listened to it while I was do, catching up on yard work that I hadn't done prior to my child's birth. And then your child gets born and you don't really, really want to do anything. You just want to stare at your child because you, you need to make sure that they're breathing. <laughs> first thing, first thing that happens when you bring your child home, you will not go to sleep that night because you'll lay her down in the bassinet or you'll swaddle her you'll, or him or her. You'll do something like that. But then you both, you, your wife, whoever... Whoever's there with you, you will be like, one of us has to stay awake and make sure that the baby doesn't stop breathing. That's what, you do it. You, you feel like you have to take shifts for it. It's crazy. But, uh, so I listened to it. I listened to that Democratic debate. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden didn't hurt himself in that debate. At that point, he was still clearly the front runner. And uh, he was the only candidate in that debate to actually mention the United States Constitution, which is crazy if you think about it. It's crazy that the only Democrat on that stage to mention the United States Constitution, which is going to come into play in a subject we're talking about momentarily, the only one that did it was Joe Biden. Crazy Uncle Joe. The only one up there not endlessly pandering to everybody. The only one to mention the Constitution. Kamala Harris, really, I don't understand how anybody likes Kamala Harris anymore. She's an authoritarian. She, she makes Obama's pen and a phone statement look like child's play. All right? And how anybody has respect for her when Joe Biden pressured her. She, she does this all the time on Twitter. She talks about how she will get things done via executive order, period, the end says, if Congress doesn't do it in 30 days, I will make it happen through executive order, which is wrong. It's not how this process works. It's very threatening coming from Kamala Harris. It's very authoritarian, and nobody should like it. Then when Joe Biden says that she can't take certain actions via executive order, she laughs it off when she doesn't have an answer for something. She goes, <laughs> she did this exactly at the debate. She went, <laughs> Joe, instead of saying, no, we can't, which by the laws and decree of this nation and how this government works, you can't. 
let's just say yes we can. Shut up. That should disqualify Kamala Harris right there. I'm not concerned because she's not going to be the nominee. But that should have disqualified her. Beto O'Rourke knows he's done. That's why he is digging his grave on the AR-15 thing. Because he knows he's done. He knows he's not going to be, you know, in the hot seat. He could potentially be somebody's VP choice. I don't know. But uh, he's digging his grave on the AR-15 thing because he'd probably rather stay in political action in that sense. So... He's ready to martyr himself. Bernie Sanders was the same old, same old. It's it's, uh, uh, loud noises, uh, Medicare for all, and taxes. And uh, we shouldn't focus on Stop hacking my crap. Stupid. Ugh. There, I I think I cut him off. So, loud noises, Medicare for all. Uh, Elizabeth Warren... She was focused on attacking Joe Biden the whole time. Didn't really quite work out for her. Not working out for her. She's the media's darling superstar, but I don't really get it because she's kind of like Hillary Clinton. So I really don't get where that's going. Andrew Yang is just $1,000. Freedom dividend. $1,000 a month for a year. And he showed a raffle about how he wanted people to enter and he would pay them $1,000 a year, uh, $1,000 a month for a year to prove the freedom dividend thing. And that might actually be illegal because if he's using campaign finances for it, then he can't actually do that. But whatever. And then you got you got other people lost in the sauce like Klobacher just cracks jokes that she thinks is funny, but nobody else does. Julian Castro uh, is probably the next person to drop out. Uh, Cory Booker Spartacus, he's, he's clearly just going for a VP spot at this point. Pete Buttigieg is trying to double down on the moderate angle. And Tulsi Gabbard is coming in in the next debates because she qualifies for those debates, even though she did not qualify for this debate. So there's that. That was uh, that was the Democratic debate, you know, that that went down. And that's the current standing of those things. But there's nothing else really more to talk about except Trump articles of impeachment. Now this this has been an ongoing thing. It was all talking up through uh, the, the the Russia investigation with the with the with the Mueller report. You know, uh, oh Trump needs to be impeached, 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 impeach him, impeach him, impeach him. That's what everybody says. Everybody says impeach him. I'm starting to think people don't understand how impeachment works, or or what impeachment even is. Uh, definitely not social social justice warrior left. They definitely do not know what impeachment is because they just say, you know, it's hashtag impeach the MF, you know, impeach the motherfucker. That's, that's, that's what's going on. That's what the left is doing. There's senators and and people like that selling merchandise and making money off of this crap. Impeachment. You guys know what impeachment is. I, I, I assume my audience knows what impeachment is, but if you don't, that's Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution, and it states, quote, The President, Vice President, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, this is going to come into play in a little bit. But, just for perspective for everybody, number one, no president has been removed from office. No president has. Nixon might have been if he didn't step down, but that's speculation. We can't really talk about that because he stepped down. No president has been removed from office. All right, Bill Clinton was impeached, by the way. Bill Clinton was impeached, and he was found guilty on like two of, I think it was the three charges, but he was not removed from the presidency, and he was acquitted of everything else. So, the article of impeachments, or the articles of impeachment that are going on, it's a set of charges that are drafted against a public official to initiate the impeachment process. All right, the articles do not result in the removal of the official, but instead require the enacting body to take further action, such as bringing the articles to a vote before the full body. All right, in the United States, the articles of impeachment are drafted by the House of Representatives, right now Democrat-controlled, 
How Democrat controlled are they? Let's see. House breakdown is 235 Democrats, one independent, that'd be Justin Amash, and 198 Republicans. So the House is Nancy Pelosi pushing for the articles of impeachment. All right. Uh, <clears throat> the articles of impeachment are drafted by the House of Representatives for cases involving federal officials. In this case, Donald Trump is a federal official as the President of the United States. Duh. Once drafted, a supermajority of the United States Senate is required to convict based on the articles, which means, much like in a court of law or anything else, the House is going to draft, this is what Trump is, this is what we believe Trump is guilty of, X, Y, and Z. And then they're going to push it to the Senate, and then they're going to have a hearing in the Senate. They'll have an actual trial of sorts. And then they will vote on whether or not Trump is guilty of what is written in those articles of impeachment and whether or not he should be removed from office. That's impeachment, all right? Impeachment isn't hashtag impeach the MFR and then Nancy Pelosi comes in riding a white horse with all the Democrats voting to get Trump out of his seat and then he's removed. Doesn't work that way. Crazy how people don't know how the government works. It's a little insane. By the way, <laughs> just for just for the numbers purposes, because we said it has to go to the Senate, right? And the Senate's going to have to vote, right? So the Senate breakdown, by the way, is 45 Democrats, two independents, 53 Republicans. All right, and one of the two independents, I believe, listed as Bernie Sanders, even though he's running on the Democratic platform for president. I don't know how you can be an independent, but then suddenly be a Democrat, and then suddenly not be a Democrat when you're not running for president. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I would call him up right now, but I just hung up on him, and I did chase him out of my house, which makes me wonder if I don't need to, you know, call some investigation into play or something like that. So what happened? What What, what is going on with uh, President Trump and these articles of impeachment going on? That would be because a whistleblower... On August 12th, pushed uh, this information to Richard Burr, the chairman of the uh, Select Committee on Intelligence of the Senate, and Adam Schiff, the chairman of the Permanent Select Committee in, on Intelligence in the United States House of Representatives. This whistleblower is a CIA agent that was outed by, I believe, Washington Post or Wall Street Journal. I can't remember which. Maybe the New York Times. It's hard to keep all of this crap straight. I have the unclassified uh, report, whistleblower report, uh, and some of the highlighted information uh, that I wanted to read from it was uh, this guy is reporting an urgent concern in accordance with procedures outlined in, uh, you know, blah, 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 U.S. code, yada, yada, yada. Quote, in the course of my official duties, I have received information from multiple U.S. government officials that the President of the United States is using the power of his office to solicit interference from a foreign country in the 2020 U.S. election. Stop. Hold the phone right there. Because this whistleblower report that came in from this guy isn't firsthand knowledge. Number one, this CIA agent that was based in the White House for some time has contacts in the White House has information, as quoted, uh, from multiple U.S. government officials. So, to be objective in looking at this, I'm not trying to pick apart uh, the, the subject that we're talking about. And, and by the end of my ranting on this, I think you will see wh wh what I mean and where I stand and why. Uh, but I think it's important to know that the whistleblower in question has just, he's heard this. This is the report that he's forwarding from information that he heard. So it's secondhand information. Meaning that, you know, if they do go through the impeachment articles and process, the people that I want to talk to are the people that talk to this guy. I don't want to talk to this guy. I want to talk to the people that talked to this guy. Personally. I think that's what everybody should want to hear from. It's from the people who actually reported it to this guy. 
Uh, let's see. The information provided herein was relayed to me in the course of official interagency business. I was not a direct witness to most of the events described. However, I found my colleagues' accounts of these events to be credible because in almost all cases, multiple officials recounted fact patterns that were consistent with one another. In addition, a variety of information consistent with these private accounts has been reported publicly. So, yes, true. The allegation in question was on July 25th with a phone call to Volodymyr Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, the newly elected Ukrainian president, in which this man, this whistleblower, alleges that the people who told him the contents of this call, quote, namely, he sought to pressure the Ukrainian leader to take actions to help the president's 2020 re-election bids. How? Number one, initiate or continue an investigation into the activities of former Vice President Joseph Biden and his son Hunter Biden. Number two, assist in purportedly under uncovering that allegations of Russian interfer interference in the 2016 U.S. presidential election originated in Ukraine with a specific request that the Ukrainian leader locate and turn over servers used by the Democratic National Committee and examined by the U.S. cybersecurity firm CrowdStrike, which initially reported that Russian hackers had penetrated the DNC's networks in 2016. That is tied into WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, and Hillary Clinton's emails, by the way. Uh, meet or speak with two people the president named explicitly in his personal envoys in these matters, Mr. Giuliani and Attorney General William Barr. Got more information on that to go over, too. The president also praised Ukrainian Ukraine's prosecutor general, Mr. Yuri Lutsenko, Lutsenko. The Ukrainian side was first to publicly acknowledge this phone call on the evening of July 25th. A readout was posted on the website of Ukrainian president that contained the following line, translation from original Russian language. Readout, quote, Donald Trump expressed his conviction that the new Ukrainian government will be able to quickly improve Ukraine's image and complete the investigation of corruption cases that have held back cooperation between Ukraine and the United States. The big things that come are a little bit later in this memo, though. Because further on page 3 it says, quote, House officials had intervened to lock down all records of the phone call, especially the official word-for-word -word transcript of the call that was produced, as is customary by the White House Situation Room. Uh, White House officials told me they were directed by the White House lawyers to remove the electronic transcript from the computer system in which those are typically stored for coordination for coordination, finalization, and distribution to cabinet-level officials. Instead, the transcript was loaded onto a separate electronic system that is otherwise used to store and handle classified information of an especially sensitive nature. One White House official described this as an act of abuse of the electronic system because the call did not contain anything remotely sensitive from a national security perspective. The final thing I want to read from this... <clears throat> was what led up to the 25 to the July 25th phone call in March 2019 prosecutor general Yuri Litsenko Litsenko <coughs> made a series of allegations against other Ukrainian officials and current and former US officials he and his colleagues alleged among other things that they possessed evidence that Ukrainian officials, namely the head of National Anti-Corruption Bureau of Ukraine, Artem Stenik, and member of parliament, Serhii Leshenko, had, quote, interfered in the 2016 presidential election, allegedly in collaboration with the DNC and the U.S. Embassy in Kiev. That the U.S. Embassy in Kiev, specifically U.S. Ambassador Mary Yevanovich, who had criticized Mr. Lusensko's organization for its poor record on fighting corruption, had allegedly obstructed Ukrainian law enforcement agencies' pursuit of corruption cases 
including by providing a do not prosecute list and had blocked Ukrainian prosecutors from traveling to the United States expressly to prevent them from delivering their evidence about the 2016 U.S. election. And that former Vice President Biden had pressured former Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko in 2016 to fire then-Ukrainian Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin in order to squash a purportedly criminal probe into Burisma Holdings, a Ukrainian energy company, on whose board the former Vice President's son, Hunter Biden, sat. So, they say that Trump was soliciting help from Ukraine in that phone call, that he had, in fact, withheld funding that was approved by Congress to go to Ukraine, which, by the way, that's kind of crimey. Just saying. That brings about this shit show that we're in right now. In which Nancy Pelosi is pushing for the articles of impeachment. Maybe rightfully so. I'll give you a couple of opinions that suggest why. But you also have to take into consideration that Nancy Pelosi wishes that uh, the law worked a little bit differently in her NPR interview Nancy Pelosi said, quote, I do think that we will have to pass some laws that will have clarity for future presidents. A president should be indicted if he's committed a wrongdoing, any president. There is nothing, any place that says the president should not be indicted. That's something cooked up by the president's lawyers. That's what that is. But so that people will feel, okay, well, if he if he does something wrong, he should be able to be indicted. Pelosi noted, it is just it is Justice Department protocol not to pressure not to pursue charges for a sitting president. She said that should be changed. Quote, the founders could never suspect that a president would be so abusive of the Constitution of the United States that the separation of powers would be irrelevant to him and he would continue, any president would continue, to withhold facts from Congress which are part of the constitutional right of inquiry, she reiterated. Some people are just tacking this up as more of a witch hunt from the Democrats. This is more of a witch hunt. It's because the Mueller report didn't give them what they wanted, even though Barr came out and kind of, you know, put it in a different light and kind of lied about some stuff. But the Mueller report ultimately didn't lead to anything. What's so different this time, is what people are asking. What's so different this time? Well, here's Judge Andrew Napolitano on it, briefly. Committee Adam Schiff says he's looking forward to the whistleblower's testimony as soon as this week. Fox News Senior Judicial Analyst Judge Andrew Napolitano is here. We've had lots of busy news days, but getting your hands around all that's happened today is very difficult. So I want to break this down to something very simple. Sure. The president admits that on a phone call with the president of Ukraine, he requested that the president of Ukraine investigate his 2020 political rival, Joe Biden. Is that a crime? It is a crime for the president to solicit aid for his campaign from a foreign government. So that would be what that to which the president has admitted is in and of itself a crime. Yes, this is the same crime for which the Trump organization was investigated by Bob Mueller, who couldn't, uh, who decided not to seek an indictment because there wasn't enough evidence. Well, no, he said he didn't seek an indictment because he wasn't charged because of the DOJ rule that said you can lay it out, but you can't charge. That's on, on the obstruction of right, justice. Obstruction. On whether or not there was a conspiracy between the Russians and the Trump right. campaign, he said there's some evidence, but not enough to uh, indict. It's the same crime, an agreement or a solicitation for assistance for an American campaign regulated by the Federal Election Commission where you are seeking the assistance from a foreign government. That's the crime. Now, granted, that whistleblower thing might have been a hearsay thing, but Donald Trump admits to this. Quote from Justin Amash, the White House itself released a memorandum of the telephone conversation and the president has admitted to wrongdoing even if he claims to not understand why it's wrong. End quote. You got people like Rand Paul calling this a witch hunt. You got Jeff Flake saying things like, yeah, this is bad, but I don't think impeachment would be good for the nation. You have literally 
up and uh, top to bottom, you have every different opinion coming out <clears throat> of the woodwork with this. Tom Nichols on Twitter put out this great tweet: "Years of dirty deals with the Russian compromise with the Russians compromises Trump. A scared Trump tells the Russians he won't look into their attack on us. This commitment is kept secret, but is known to the Russians, which further compromises trust. It's a circle of accountability." As you can see. The other thing is that people are saying, well, there's no quid pro quo in Trump's phone call. If you read the transcript of the phone call, which isn't a word-for-word transcript that was released, by the way. They say if you read that, there's no quid pro quo quo in there. He doesn't say, if you don't do this, I'll withhold aid. Well, yeah, dummies. It's not like a cheesy comic book or cartoon where Trump's going to be on the phone and if you don't do this, I will withhold all of the monies from you. All of the monies. It's not going to happen. It's not going to be laid out that way. Now some people are going to say, but what about Joe Biden? What about Joe and Hunter Biden with the Ukraine thing? What's that about? I believe that there's some very, very dirty information when it comes to that, they say that there's no hard evidence of this, but this this is this is uh, Joe Biden bragging about it. I remember going over convincing our team, our brothers, to confirm that we should be providing for. Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our brothers, to convincing that that we should be providing for loan guarantees, and I went over, right, I guess the twelfth, thirteenth time to Kiev and. Uh, and I was going supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to the press conference. Said, "No, nah, I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid at the time. Well, um, that's not <clears throat> damning evidence of, of anything because it's, uh, it's hard to put a direct link into there. But it is highly coincidental. There is a lot of, you know, eh, that's not illegal, but we all kind of know that there's corruption at play there. There's immoralness around all that. I mean, hell, Elizabeth Warren could be asked this at a rally, and this is her response. For two ethics plans, could you say whether or not under a Warren administration would the president's child be allowed to serve on a board of a foreign company? No. Why I don't. Not? I don't. I, I. I don't know. I mean, I. I have to go back and look at the details. On Do you think the plan. that could be a problem? I. I have to go back and look. Sure. That was, at first, the right answer. No. No. But then it was. Oh well. Oh, crap. Joe Biden. The, that shit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But let's just boil it down to this. We live in such hyper-partisan team politics times right now that I think almost everybody has lost objectivity. I really do. And the reason being is because Donald Trump has done this shady stuff. This is shady. Let's not try to gloss over this crap anymore. Let's not try to walk on eggshells and pussyfoot around this crap anymore. If the President of the United States is talking to a foreign entity about doing something like looking into the actions of a former Vice President who is now currently running for President as a primary opponent against Donald Trump, as the polls have showed, he's probably the only one that can beat Trump. He's at least the one that has the the best shot of success to beat Trump. And here you are talking to Ukraine, who he used to be overseer of in a, in a manner of sorts yes the hunter biden thing that that's dirty as hell 
is dirty as hell. Maybe not illegal, but... And it's two totally different things, too, by the way. Hunter Biden sitting on this thing, and Joe Biden possibly pulling some strings with, with Obama. Is there implications there? Yes, there's implications there. But we have to make an evident-linked argument to that. And in the meantime... We don't, and in the meantime, it was Joe Biden was vice president of the United States and wasn't directly in control of any of the purse strings. In fact, Congress is in charge of the purse strings. All right? Congress is in charge of the funding. Congress is in charge of the money. And that's something that did happen here. Trump did stall... Money going to Ukraine. Now, now we can argue about foreign aid and money going to Ukraine all we want uh, because that's an entirely different angle of foreign affairs. It was authorized by Congress for that money to go, and Trump withheld that money, which he's not allowed to do in any sense of, of, of the word, in any sense of his authority, he's not allowed to do it, and that alone could be grounds for investigating him on impeach- articles of impeachment. Plus, he didn't answer when he was questioned about it. This is all shady shit. And then on top of it, let's not act like the Democrats haven't done shady stuff either. Okay? Because the Steele dossier and the big investigations that happened during the course of the 2016 election, Hillary Clinton paid for that Steele dossier. The DNC paid for that Steele dossier. And that was information gathered on a political opponent, not by somebody in power yet, though. But to say it wasn't shady, I mean, we're talking about our politicians going to foreign entities, which which aren't necessarily even our friends or our buddies or our allies, to get information on people. Now, getting information might not be so bad, but come on. There's dirtiness to be had all around here, and we're too partisan to actually stop and do the right thing. We're too partisan to stop and call it out. We're too partisan and we're too deep in this game of corruption to truly do the right thing. See, Republicans didn't like Trump to begin with, right? And they still don't, all right? Independents didn't like Trump, still don't. Democrats really don't like Trump, still don't. And it's hard to be objective in this. It's I, I get where people would want to fight on the side of Trump against the Democrats just because of how knee-deep and probably near-conspiratorial they've been over these things and trying to dethrone him. Uh, I, I can get that, certainly. And I can get resistance to that, and I can get people wanting the Democrat accountability on the Democrats as well for it. But... At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I think what we've had, and this is my opinion on it, is that we've had Donald Trump do some things that it, that are, I believe, unacceptable of the office of the presidency. That doesn't mean that it hasn't happened in the past. Doesn't mean that other presidents and other parties haven't played a hand in this corruption before. Because they have. It's American politics. If there's one thing for sure... That's going on in American politics. It's dirty, shady, shifty. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the other adjectives you could use to describe it. The problem is the corruption runs deep. And the accountability is nowhere. So if you ask me, if you ask me, does Donald Trump deserve what he's getting? Or is this fair? Yeah, I think it's fair. I think it's fair to question the President of the United States. I absolutely do. And I absolutely do think that it's okay to draft articles of impeachment. And I think it's okay to look at this conduct and say, this is something that we don't want happening in American politics. I don't think there's a problem with that whatsoever. I really don't.
will be continued. Uh, we, we will continue to be divided on that, probably, which is sad. But American politics, if if it lacks anything, it lacks accountability. This whole thing is a circus, and the media and both of the political parties have utilized us as pawns to dump gas onto this dumpster fire because it doesn't matter. See, Trump, they can draft these articles of impeachment. It can go before the Senate. He could still he could still be found guilty on some of them and then not removed from office. And we have a 2020 election cycle right now in which people are trying to run against Donald Trump. So I, I, I think there's droppings of corruption all over the place. And there, there'll be more to talk about, too, because I have a host of other information written down and and every day something else comes out. Uh, ju- just now, just now, or just uh, within the past twenty minutes or so, a story dropped about Mike Pompeo saying Democrats are bullying to get uh, him himself, uh, Rudy Giuliani, and a couple other people to uh, comply or participate in these articles of impeachment when all of them invariably are involved in some way in this big massive conspiracy of sorts. So it's a shit show. It's what it is. It's a shit show. And guys, it's got to end sometime. It's got to end sometime. It's a little hectic. It's a little crazy. So that is all I wanted to cover for today. There was a couple other things that I thought about covering, like Greta Thunberg and uh, this whole green New Deal movement, but, but, but we won't touch up on that. This is the first week back. It was a pretty big subject in this, like, an hour-long episode. So, uh, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You can follow me at Twitter, at FritzQS. You can talk to me on there. You can tell me I'm full of crap for this take. Tell me I'm dead right, dead wrong, whatever. I don't care. Uh, you can find me at Facebook.com slash TheFritzCast. FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com if you wish to email me. And, guys, remember, I love you. And I will... Be back on a regular, consistent basis now. And I'll see you, hopefully, next week. Peace.